Welcome to the Arlington Street Church podcast. Founded in 1729, Arlington Street continues today as a gathering place for progressive people of faith in the greater Boston area and beyond. We are located at the corner of Arlington and Boylston Streets, across from the Public Garden in Boston, Massachusetts. Please visit ASCBoston.org for more information about this historic Unitarian Universalist congregation. Arlington Street Church, gathered in love and service for justice and peace. The hospital is open 24 hours a day, seven days a week in order to care for patients in the hospital, whether you are a doctor, nurse, social worker, or a chaplain. You have to trust your team because none of us can with health or integrity work at the hospital with our patients 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Early in my residency as a chaplain, I cared for a man who was the same age as me. He'd been in the hospital for many months waiting to see if he would be eligible for a heart transplant. While he was in the hospital, his girlfriend gave birth to a baby. He was too sick to leave the ICU, so his family brought the baby to him. Worried that he would not survive, he asked me if he could marry his girlfriend while he was in the hospital so that their children would receive whatever he had to offer. Before they were able to get married, the young man's heart stopped. The skilled efforts of his doctors and nurses allowed us to temporarily sustain but not save his life. We were all devastated. I remember standing by his bedside with his parents and feeling like I could not leave. How could I? How could I clock out and head home and eat dinner in a moment like this? I stayed an hour past my shift. My phone buzzed in my pocket as the overnight chaplain called asking if I was okay and when I would be ready to hand off my duties for the night. I made it back to the office and I told my colleague about my day. He was supportive and kind. He told me to go home, to trust him, that he would care for my patient and his family. They would not be alone. And I knew he was right. I needed to trust someone else to do the work too. I needed to trust that my coworker could show up and care for this young man and his family with love, strength, and faith. I needed to go home and rest. So the next day when my coworker would surely be tired and heartsick, I could come back to work and care for our patients. In moments like this, trust is a life-giving spiritual practice because there is no way to do this work alone. Chinese philosopher Lao Tzu wrote in the Tao Te Ching, if you do not trust the people, they will become untrustworthy. Writer, social justice facilitator, and healer Adrienne Marie Brown remixes this ancient wisdom writing, if you trust the people, they become trustworthy. When I first read this quote from Brown in her book, Emergent Strategy, I had a hard time buying into it. There are so many reasons not to trust. I know I'm not alone when I say that many times in my life I have trusted someone and they broke my trust. However, there have also been many times when I have prayed and my prayers were not answered and I keep praying. The value of spiritual practice is not that it always has the same desired result. Instead, the value of spiritual practice is the individual and collective growth we experience when we engage regularly with something greater than ourselves. Addressing the Plum Village Zen Buddhist community, senior Dharma teacher, Brother Fat Dung, 
shared this wisdom. Trust is not something that's automatically there. It is a state that can be cultivated. This requires our effort, our training, our ability to not lose ourselves. As Unitarian Universalists, we affirm that we are a part of an interdependent web of existence, something much greater than our individual selves and our congregations. This is a moral imperative that requires our effort, our training, and our vigilance so that we do not lose the beautiful power of our interdependence. When we trust, we believe that there is someone who is capable, honest, and worthy of being in relationship with us. Trust creates and sustains interdependence. When we trust, we free ourselves from believing that we are all alone in this life. Trust is an essential ingredient to love, faith, and community. At this year's Unitarian Universalist General Assembly, the delegates of our denomination voted for its member congregations, that includes us, to find alternatives to policing and to pursue police abolition within Unitarian Universalist justice work. The vote passed with 82% voting yes. Our denominational president, the Reverend Susan Frederick Gray said these words. This moment calls us to be prophetic and to imagine a world without policing. Black and indigenous people and other folks of color have already created alternatives to policing because these structures don't keep them safe. We must follow the lead of these communities and imagine a world that centers collective care, community investment, and restorative justice rather than surveillance, punishment, incarceration, and policing. Since the first call to defund the police, I have witnessed resistance from folks who have privileges that protect them from police violence and incarceration. I've heard people question the phrase defund the police saying that it's poor branding or too extreme. I think it scares people to think that we could trust one another enough to not need armed police in our streets. In the Harvard Law Review in 2019, Black Lives Matter co-founder Patrice Cullors writes this, abolition is about how we treat each other. It's about how we show up in relationships. Abolition is about how we respond to harm caused and how we respond when we cause harm. It is differentiating between large-scale systems that have been built to perpetuate our harm and individual harm caused against one another. We need to be committed to building a culture that is rooted in care, dignity, and accountability. Patrice Cullors and the Reverend Susan Frederick Gray are calling us to consider that there are communities that have trusted each other to do the work of caring for one another without police. They are calling us to have faith that we can trust each other more and commit to a culture that is rooted in care, dignity, and accountability. It's already happened. It's already happening. And here is one example, the life of Stormy Dallavie, as told by Brittany Luce on the podcast Code Switch. Stormy Delavier was born to a white father and a black woman in Louisiana in 1920. As a mixed race child, she was not issued a birth certificate. She was bullied and beaten by other children throughout her childhood. And not only was she different from her classmates because of the color of her skin, Stormy was also a lesbian. She knew she needed to get out of the South to survive. So she moved to Chicago where she lived and passed as a straight man. 
At the time, being a masculine queer woman was illegal. Dressing as a straight man allowed Stormy to live as she wanted, and she looked good. One of her friends said she didn't look like James Dean, but she had the swagger of James Dean. Nobody was bullying Stormy anymore. Chicago also gave Stormy a chance to be a performer and a singer in the look that felt true for her. She wore a long, slim suit and close-cropped blonde hair. Stormy traveled around the country as the MC for the Jewel Box Review, which was billed as an unusual variety show. She dressed as a man, and the rest of the cast members, all men, dressed as women. Stormy was a hit. She was highly regarded. She was royalty. She had the respect of her castmates, her boys, her family. They were nice young men, and they were my friends, Stormy said. I respected them as performers and as human beings. Around this time, Stormy moved to New York, where she was finally able to live as the butch woman she was. This is a part of the story that I think some of you might know. On June 28, 1969, Stormy was at the Stonewall Inn. The Stonewall was a popular West Village bar and an unofficial community meeting place for young queer folks. That night, police raided the bar. It was illegal to cross-dress and illegal for gay people to gather in public. Cops would regularly raid the bar to check IDs to see if a patron's listed gender matched how they dressed. It was humiliating and subhuman treatment, but it was the law. But on June 28, 1969, something changed. After years of hassling and arrest, the folks at the Stonewall were pissed. They refused to hand over their IDs. When the police started grabbing people, Stormy fought back. She's credited as throwing the first punch at police in defense of her humanity and in defense of her family. A friend said of that night, I think her experiences as a young person and being beat up and not accepted lived inside her and she used it for good to protect her community. Stormy had found a community where she was loved and where she experienced great joy. After Stonewall, she wanted to take that feeling of love and protection that she had from her own community and bring it to the streets. She wanted her community to have someone they could trust to keep them safe from police and from anyone else who might try to hurt them. Stormy became a bodyguard. During the day, she would protect rich New York families, and at night, she watched the door of gay and lesbian bars. Stormy continued to protect the Manhattan gay bar scene for over 30 years. She laid down that law, not the law of the land, but a law of dignity and respect. She was known as the cowboy of the West Village, calling out anyone who tried to mess with her people. Don't you mess with my baby girl, she said. Trust me, you want to keep walking. And her community trusted her. In 1985, Stormy met Lisa Kenestrasi when they were both working at the Cubby Hole. Despite the 44-year age gap, they forged a fast friendship. Lisa opened her own bar, the Henrietta Hudson, where Stormy worked the door until her late 70s. When she retired, Lisa decided to keep paying her. Lisa says she deserved it. She was my friend. I do a lot of fundraising and I thought there's nothing wrong with instead of fundraising for an organization, directly giving money to someone who is amazing and who has done so much for this community. Stormy kept coming to the bar until about 2010. She was getting older 
She was staying closer to home, and one day Stormy fell and broke a bone. Since she had no living blood relatives, she came under the care of the state of New York. Lisa and another friend of Stormy's met with lawyers, and they became Stormy's legal guardians. They put her up in what Lisa called the Cadillac of nursing homes. The people who worked there were loving, and they knew Stormy's story. After all those years of fighting, she was safe and comfortable, taken care of the way she had taken care of so many others. Stormy's life was hard. From the day she was born, she was labeled illegitimate. It could have made her bitter, but instead she had given out so much love in her life, and it all came back to comfort her. I love Stormy's story because it reminds me that it's possible for us to trust one another. It's possible to trust that we can be accepted as we are. It's possible to trust one another to keep us safe, especially when the laws and the law enforcement of our nation fall short. And it's possible for us to care for one another beyond the oppressive structures of our society. We can share the work and we can get it done. Every day is a new opportunity to engage the life-giving spiritual practice of trust. Every day, a new opportunity to be trustworthy. In order to move forward, we need to trust one another. We need trust to stop the spread of COVID-19. We need trust to move forward in dismantling racism, homophobia, and transphobia. We need to trust one another to survive. Although we may be afraid, we still need to trust. Trust others to do the work with you. Trust that someone will care for you and protect you. Trust that there is something greater than yourself, greater than your fears that is at work in the world today. Trust that your voice and your actions and your life can be a part of that greater thing. Trust that you can be trustworthy. It's not going to be easy, but trust me, it will be worth it. Our benediction was written by Adrian Marie Brown. Trust the people who move towards you and already feel like home. Trust the people to let you rest. Trust the people to do everything better than you could have imagined. Trust the people and they become trustworthy. Trust that the people are doing their work to trust themselves. Trust that each breach of trust can deepen trust or clarify boundaries. Trust the people who see and hold your heart. Trust the people who listen to the whales. Trust the people and you will be trustworthy. Trust the people and show them your love. Trust the people. Beloved spiritual companions, I love you, I miss you, I trust you. The service begins when the service ends. Bless your hearts. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We would love to hear from you via email at office at ASCBoston.org or through our Facebook page. If you would like to support the good work of Arlington Street Church, Please consider a contribution by checking the mail or through our website, ASCBoston.org.